So our New Testament reading from Revelation is first up this morning in the 21st chapter, the opening five verses. Again, I would invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. Now, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. And as mentioned, our, New, our Old Testament reading follows. It is from the 25th chapter of the book of the prophet Isaiah, beginning at verse 1 and continuing through verse 9, I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name, for you have done wonderful things, plans formed of old, faithful and sure. For you have made the city a heap. The fortified city, a ruin, the palace of aliens, is a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, strong peoples will glorify you. Cities of ruthless nations will fear you. For you have been a refuge to the poor, a refuge to the needy in their distress, a shelter from the rainstorm and a shade from the heat. When the blast of the ruthless was like a winter rainstorm, the noise of aliens, like heat in a dry place. You subdued the heat with the shade of clouds. The song of the ruthless was stilled. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, of rich food filled with marrow, of well-aged wines strained clear. And he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the sheet that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces and the disgrace of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken it will be said on that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him so that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. The Lord, it is true, certainly does not disappoint. 
In this morning's readings, we hear how God has conquered even strong nations, powerful foes, striking fear and inspiring awe in the enemies of Israel. He has been a refuge. He's been a shelter for the downtrodden and the oppressed. And the prophet adds, there is coming a day. A day when he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all people. The sheet that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. Then the Lord God will wipe away all the tears from all faces and the disgrace of his people he will take away from all the earth. These are his plans formed of old. And this is the assurance that the people of God have in him. Such is the character, the faithfulness of the covenant God of Israel. These words of comfort must have been a a welcome message for the Hebrews to hear back in the days when they were spoken by Isaiah. He lived among them in a time of turmoil in the land of promise. The northern and the southern tribes of the people of Israel, they hadn't been getting along. Many people in both kingdoms had been given over to apostasy. Powerful, hostile nations were making aggressive moves against their lands. It was an unsettled time in the life of the Hebrews. How wonderful for us to be reminded that even to this day, the divine nature has not changed. The very same God who was present in the midst of the distress of his people during the time of Isaiah is the very same God who is present in the midst of the distress of his people even today. He remains faithful and true. He does not disappoint his people whom he loves. How wonderfully this morning's moment for mission works into this theme, doesn't it? And we didn't conspire on this. It was completely providential. The story of a man in Iraq who is uprooted time and time again by forces beyond his control, who is at wit's end and yet clings to the faith, and it does not disappoint. That God in whom he trusts does not disappoint. This week, once again, I'm afraid, has come with its share of disappointments. Some, in my experience, have involved people that I don't know personally. Some have involved folks involved in a church. Some have involved organizations or institutions, but each of these disappointments that I have experienced has stemmed from a failure to live up to an obligation that had either been overtly stated or at least heavily implied. I'm sure you all have suffered this a time or two or more as well in your own circumstances. 
It's an all too common and an all too unfortunate scenario of overpromising and underdelivering. In my experience, one of the most blatant and repeat perpetrators of the art of overpromising and underdelivering are the purveyors of high technology. I'll grant that I am a bit of a geek myself, with an interest in even sometimes a fascination with gadgets and gizmos that are designed to accomplish some neat and helpful things. When they work as intended, they are marvelous to behold. But most of the time, well, that's not the way it goes. With the shifts that we are having to make in the ways we work, in the ways we learn, in the ways we shop, in the ways we worship even, the promise and the shortcomings of technology have become increasingly apparent. Microsoft this week became the, the latest large American-based company to announce that it would allow more of its employees to work from home for more of the time. They joined the ranks of many of their counterparts in the corporate world who have been adopting a similar decentralized productivity model, as they like to call it. As many public school districts, including those around here, are opening back up for some form of in-person instruction. Others remain closed or have been forced to once again suspend classes on account of new COVID outbreaks. The number of children who are receiving technology-mediated remote instruction in this country has never been higher. More and more of the brick-and-mortar retailers are filing for bankruptcy and closing their doors forever. Many long-standing, well-established, and well-capitalized corporate household names are going the way of the dodo. Those which are not are having to retool and remodel their stores and their online presence in order to accommodate the emerging ways of doing commerce in a pandemic. And of course, there are the churches. Yes, the churches. We too, we're having to figure out how to worship, how to do ministry, how to do mission, adapting to the demands that are being placed on us in this socially distanced culture. Technology has offered in all these cases that to aid us. It, we will be in the, in the vernacular used so many decades ago promoting the TV show The Six Million Dollar Man. We will be better stronger, faster on the other side of this as we take these actions in response to COVID. And to be fair, there have been and there are some solutions which are proving beneficial in all of this, but frequently my experience has been that the implementation of and the help from the technology doesn't nearly live up to the hype of that Technology. I read about the many cases of communication disruption caused by network outages that prevent 
remote workers from doing their remote work. I hear of umpteen Zoom bombings of online classrooms taking place. I, I get a note not that long ago from a Facebook visitor of ours who informed me that our website seems to have been hacked. And indeed, the server that it was hosted on had been hijacked, causing me more gray hairs to resolve. Over the course of the last couple of weeks, ways that I had typically gone about getting the video recordings for our worship service made, edited, and distributed for viewing on the internet have failed at various steps in the process. It's been extremely frustrating to have a process which works one week just fine to not work the same exact way the same week. I go from one week to another not knowing what's going to break this week. Why is that? The vagaries of technology. But I should not be surprised by this all, for I come from the high technology industry. I, that was my home. I worked there for several years. I knew how common the practice was of over-promising and under-delivering. What is certainly more disappointing even than all that, probably more disturbing in many ways, is when these sorts of failures take place within the bounds of the covenant relationship between God and his people. While we have pledged to obey the commandments, we have not. While we have promised that we would put God above idols, we have. While we agreed to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, we don't. In the words of a recently released song that's been playing a fair bit on the Christian radio station I listen to, truth be told, the truth is rarely told. And that is the truth. What makes the song a bit different and a bit difficult to hear at the same time is the fact that in it, Matthew West is singing about the life of the church and just how often we misbehave as Christians. So it's not just out there in the world of technology, in the world of business, in the world of education, in the world of commerce, that the problem needs to be confronted. It's right here as well. These are not the easiest words to receive. And that is precisely, I think, what makes this morning's words from the 25th chapter of Isaiah so much more pleasant to hear again. For no matter how poorly we keep covenant, no matter our shortcomings, no matter our faithlessness, no matter how much we overpromise and underdeliver, in this relationship that we have with the Lord, we have the eternal assurance that the one who has made us, the one who has redeemed us, the one who sustains us, the one in whom we have placed our trust, this is the God who is and shall be our hope and stay throughout this life and straight on 
into the life to come. The one who in the beginning formed the heavens and the earth is the same one who will at the end create new heavens and new earth and wipe away the tears from all eyes, having destroyed the power of death and sin for all time. What comfort indeed these words must have been back in the days of Isaiah. What comfort these words are in our own day as we face so much uncertainty, so much disappointment, so much anxiety. These are words on which we can hang our hats. They speak of a solid rock, a sure foundation, an anchor that will not give way, though everything else in this world just might. An author once described his experience with the craft of writing as like that of driving at night. Though the car's headlights only illuminate the road for a fairly short way ahead, one can drive through the darkness all night long that way. And so it is with the promises of God recalled in Isaiah 25. We have enough hope in the future that we can make our way through these present difficulties. We may not be able to see the proverbial light at the end of the tunnel, but we already know the one who is the light. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and therefore he is the God of and present in the present as well. So as we continue to wrestle with our daily routines that have become anything but routine, while we struggle to maintain the health of body, mind, and soul, while we seek direction and discernment about how to respond as Christians individually and as a congregation in this unprecedented time in our lives and in the life of the church, may the words of the Lord through his prophet Isaiah bring a measure of comfort to us all. May we be reminded once again of the power and the sovereignty of God who has created and ordered the universe and who has come to dwell with men in a sign of solidarity for the human condition and the love of his crowning creation. May the hope shared thousands of years ago be sufficient to sustain us as we press on in our own journeys as servants of the Most High, the one who has never nor will ever overpromise and underdeliver. And for that, we may truly say, thanks be to God and amen.